the Father, glory to the Son, and glory to the Holy Spirit. Good morning. It is so wonderful to be with you this morning. I count it truly a privilege. As it was stated, my name is Denise Posey, and I work in the Christian Reformed Church. Amen. <laughs> I remember when I first came to Kalamazoo, I was actually in Columbia, South Carolina, Carolina, and I accepted a call to Emmanuel Christian Reformed Church. And shortly after that, I was invited to an ecumenical event, um, and there were a lot of CRC and RCA individuals there. And I told people, I said, just relax, we're all cousins. So we're cousins, amen? <laughs> cousins in the kingdom of God, right? Amen. So I, I work in the Christian Reformed Denominational Office, Leadership Development for Women and Ethnic um, Ministries. I've been in the Christian Reformed Church for 20 years. Prior to accepting a denominational uh, position, I pastored at Emmanuel uh, Christian Reformed in Kalamazoo. So uh, what a blessing. And now I uh, have the privilege of uh, being in a Reformed Church, and I believe this is my first time preaching in a Reformed church. Thank you, Lord. And I hope I get asked back again. I hope this is not my last time. Amen. Um, oftentimes when a pastor is away, he or she wonders, how did the flock do? Well, I want to give a good report. I have uh, received nothing but hospitality here. When I first walked in the door, it was such joy. And just to see God's people uh, talking to each other, fellowshipping. And it, it's beautiful. I want you to know how beautiful that is. I travel uh, not as much as I used to, but I've been to many churches, and this is not always the case. So thanks be to God. I want you to know that. So we are going to look to God's word. Thank him for the prayers that have already uh, gone up. And if you have your Bibles, um, I ask that you go to uh, the Gospel of John. Let's go there. The Gospel of John, the 21st chapter. And I must say that I had an opportunity to look at your website to get a sense of where I was going. Uh, I've never been to Midland, so this is uh, a day of the first for several things. And one of the things I think about this particular passage in John 21 is that it really uh, ties right in with your mission statement. The first statement I believe I saw was loving God. And was it loving others after that? Yes, and then leading change. I like that leading change. Because sometimes we stop at one and two and don't get to leading change. But when I think about John 21, I, I, I think it ties in very nicely with the loving God. And I want us to know this morning that as we look at Peter, Simon Peter, the disciple, I pray that God will help us to uh, be enlightened and that our hearts would be open to what God wants to speak to us. It's, I think it's a very uh, familiar passage, 
So I am not going to read all of the verses. Uh, I'm going to start reading at verse 15, but I want to at least give some highlights of the verses that precede verse 15. So this is actually the third time in which Jesus appeared to his disciples after the resurrection. And Jesus thought it was necessary to have fellowship and to have conversation with the disciples. There were seven who had actually, and, and their names are listed in, in the text there, but there are actually seven that had gone fishing with Peter. It was Peter who said, I'm going fishing. And, you know, Peter was a leader, and the other disciples, the other six, they said, we're going with you. So they go fishing. They're fishing on the Sea of Galilee, and this was something they were quite familiar with. This had been a time of waiting, not really knowing what to do after the resurrection. So they go fishing, and they caught nothing. But then they, they heard a voice, and the voice told them to cast their net on the right side, to throw your nets out. And they did that. And it was actually Jesus, and he performed a miracle. The text says that they caught 153 fish. So it was a lot of fish that they caught. And I might believe that in that moment, the disciples went back, some of the disciples went back to a previous time in which Jesus, they were actually fishing and they caught nothing. And Jesus told, it was actually Peter. Peter was the ringleader there, but he told them to uh, cast the net on the uh, other side of, of the boat. And they did it. So that was a miracle. And in this, in chapter 21, we also see Jesus uh, performing, performing a miracle. And he told the disciples that I am going to make you fishers of men. And he, in, in, in that previous situation, the disciples left everything, and the word says they followed Jesus. So I'm, I want to get us to the point here. So Jesus appears to them this third time, and he invites them to have a breakfast with him on the beach. He cooks some fish and some bread, and invites them to come and eat with him. And I might think that Peter, Peter's mind went back to when Jesus had been arrested, and he was actually sitting around the uh, coals of fire with Jesus' enemies. It was right when Peter denied Jesus three times. So I might imagine that Peter's mind went back to that situation as they sat around and had breakfast with Jesus. Now I would like to look at verse 15. If you're with me, say amen. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? 
Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. He was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. Jesus never wasted words. He asked many questions. He never wastes time because he came to do the Father's will. He said, the words that I say are the words of my Father. What I do is what the Father tells me to do. So here he singles out Peter. And he says these simple words to him. Do you love me? Do you love me? Just four. Four simple words. Do you love me? I think what Jesus was doing with Peter was giving him a reality check. Just a reality check. Does what you say line up with what's really in your heart? Because, you know, Peter said, Jesus, you know everything. And yes, Jesus knew everything. He knew everything about Peter. It's a powerful question in which Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? And the first word of love in which Jesus used in this uh, passage is philea, which comes from, uh, uh, we think about Philadelphia, a brotherly love a close association to another person. It's a friend or a colleague. The kind of love in which you, you might come together with an individual, but it's not on a deep level. It's a cordial relationship. And then the second word love in which Peter used is agape. And it is an unconditional love, a sacrificial love, a love that's willing to give up its desires, a selfless love, a selfless love. You know, Jesus was not condemning Peter. Jesus was not putting Peter down. Jesus was actually showing his love for Peter because he did not want Peter to stay the same. Because whenever, whenever we come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that means that we will not stay the same that he will transform us. And so here Jesus, he more or less challenges, he more or less challenges Peter in terms of his love for him. He was just letting Peter know 
what the real deal was, what the real truth was, that your love is not as deep as you think it is. And see, there are many situations in our life in which reality checks might come our way to basically, basically let us know where we really stand. For those of you who are uh, married or in relationships, think about the times in which you say, honey, do you love me? Honey, do you? we're fishing for something. We want, we ha- want that affirmation. In, in, the, um, in the dictionary, in the Webster Dictionary, in terms of a reality check, it says it's something that clarifies or serves as a reminder of reality, often by correcting a misconception. So that's what Jesus was doing with Peter. I mean, it was, it was a, wonderful, a wonderful thing. So Jesus gives Peter a reality check. He knew the extent of Peter's love, and he wanted Peter's love to grow even stronger for him. Peter didn't know this, nor did the, did the other disciples know. But Peter was hurt. I think I would have been hurt too after denying Jesus, after repenting, crying bitterly and repenting, and now Jesus is reinstating Peter with the disciples. I think, I think, and you know, Peter, Peter was interesting. I love Peter. I forgot to tell you this. I, I believe that Jesus always pointed out Peter because Peter's like us. I think a lot of us are like Peter in the sense that sometimes we might react before we think about a situation, or we might try to be helpful and we're not really helpful because we're doing what we think is right instead of praying and asking God what is the right thing to do. But Jesus, I believe, and I believe that we, 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 can, we, we can look at Peter's pride. I believe Peter had a pride issue. Um, and I believe Jesus was actually dealing with that. Or there could have been something else that Peter, uh, Jesus was dealing with in Peter's life. But Peter was the type that he didn't question or ask Jesus. He, he would step out and do what he thought. I mean, I could just, we could just go through the Bible, and it's just a trail of those examples of Peter stepping out and doing what he wanted to do. I know in my own life there's been times where it's, I did not stop and ask the Lord, but would do things and then later on find out it was not the right thing to do. So Peter Peter was hurt. And Jesus is calling him to a higher level, to love him, to have that unconditional, that sacrificial, that self selfless love. It was a powerful question. But if you think about it, Jesus also gave the disciples and he, he's given us a powerful command. And that command is to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's a powerful, a powerful command. And then in Matthew 10, 37, it says in relations to love, 
Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. That is a powerful statement. I mean, just think about that. Above all things, above all people, all situations, Jesus is saying that we should love him above all things. And the interesting thing is that we cannot do that on our own. We need him. If you think about it, the fruit of the Spirit is love. It's through the Holy Spirit. The source of love is God. God is love. And he's on the inside of us. We can't even love without Jesus. I want you to think with me. Are you, are you with me? Say amen. Amen. I like that. I want you to think with me. Who comes to mind when you think of someone who really loves the Lord? It could be even your spouse, your children, your parents, a co-worker, a neighbor, your pastor, your elder, your deacon, ministry leaders. Who comes to mind as someone who really loves the Lord. Think about that. Maybe it's even you, but I want you to think about someone else. And you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this person loves the Lord. I think we all have, can I see your hand? Do you have someone like that? Amen. All of us have someone, see most hands go up. We have someone in our life who has modeled that before us. Someone who loves Jesus because it makes a difference. It makes a difference in our lives. I was thinking the other day that it would be a terrible thing to live life, to do the things that God is God has given us to do, to do ministry, to feed the hungry, to go to the prisons, to go to the shelters, to visit the sick. But it would be a terrible thing if I come to the end of my life and find out I didn't know Jesus, that I didn't love him. Just think about that. Because sometimes we can get busy in doing things. And we might not take time to know him and to love him. Even when you, when you think about this person that you even had in mind, as I read these five marks, I call them, of someone who loves Jesus, maybe it comes to mind. Someone who follows Jesus wherever he goes, wherever he leads them. Let me say that again. The first mark is someone who follows Jesus 
wherever he leads him or her. This individual is not moved by circumstances. When we think about Peter, after Jesus had been arrested, it was fear that led him to follow Jesus from a distance and not to go all the way with him. But when we think about this person who really loves Jesus, it, it doesn't make any difference where he leads. There might sometimes be kicking and screaming, but Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And so the second mark of someone who loves Jesus is someone who has intimacy with Jesus Christ, who's in a love relationship with him. It's someone who is in communion with Jesus through the Holy Spirit in prayer and in reading God's word, in practicing silence or coming away from the crowd to commune with Jesus. It's someone who is singing unto the Lord, even if you can't sing, singing unto the Lord, but practicing those spiritual disciplines, intimacy with Jesus. And it's for the sake of not just talking to him, but him talking to the individual. I want to stop here for one second and then I'll move to the other three. But this one means a lot to me because at one point in my life and was sharing with Ruth Ann earlier that when I was and I'm, when I was around 29 years old and I'm quite a bit older than that now, but 29 years old, I started looking at life and and saying, you know, there must be something more than, and, I, and things were going well, but more than what I'm experiencing. But I was not in relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and I served in the church, went to church most of the time, but there wasn't that intimate relationship with him. But then he gave me that reality check to let me know that I was not where I needed to be. And then... When I'm in the car driving from Kalamazoo to Midland, Michigan, there was a conversation. There was some singing. So the person that's singing and, and uh, you know, I also thought about uh, a gentleman that was um, a member of our church. And, and John was very quiet and, and you know, sometimes I would say just uh, really quiet, didn't smile a whole lot, and I love him, just a great man. But I remember staying at their home before I moved to Kalamazoo, and when it was, his wife played the piano, when it was time for us to gather at the table, she played the piano, and we came to the table. But John took his Bible out, and he began to, I don't remember what psalm it was, but he read from one of the Psalms. i never forget it. And then I just saw tears come from his eyes. I believe in my heart that when there's intimacy with Jesus Christ, there is some kind of interaction. We cry or we, it's some emotion. 
There's some kind of emotion there. Amen? There's some kind of emotion there. I never would have thought John would have moved, been moved by the word of God. Tears came down his eyes. Intimacy with Christ. And then the third mark is surrender. I love that song, All to Jesus, I Surrender. But I know what it's like to be like Peter in the sense that we want to do what we want to do. We think we know best or somebody else knows what's best for our life. But when we surrender, we are withholding nothing. Withholding nothing. Can you say that with me? Withholding nothing. Let's say it again. Withholding nothing. Everything. And we do not know whether or not we will release whatever it is he wants us to give to him or for us to do. We don't know it until he asks us. We don't know. Like Peter, oh, yes, Lord, I'll go with you. We're like that sometimes. But then when he asks us to give something up that's precious, sometimes we want to do this and not this. Even our children, own parents, things that are precious, surrender all to him. And let me move on. The fourth mark is gratitude. Gratitude for who he is. Jesus, the disciples saw Jesus perform miracle after miracle. And still, they followed at a distance. But a person who loves Jesus is thankful and doesn't mind saying thank you, Jesus. Thank you for who you are and for what you've done. And then the fifth Mark is a mark of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is on the inside. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace, long-suffering. But it, the Holy Spirit is what makes this possible. So, Peter, Peter's life changed. He was a transformed man even after Jesus' ascension. Jesus wanted to take him to a different level. And I was looking at 1 Peter uh, 5, 5. Peter, it says, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. Peter wrote that. Isn't that interesting? Peter's life had been changed. Transformation had taken place. Jesus wanted to take him to a deeper level, a deeper level so he could face the hardship, the persecution, and even to face death. Sometimes we can get caught up in things and a mission, some type of cause, and God is saying, wait a minute. I want you to take time 
and love me. Take time to be in my word. Take time to sit before me. Sometimes God gives us that reality check. And it really is for our own good. And sometimes it, it can be painful. But he knows what's best for us. In Revelation 2, you know, that was the letter that John wrote. God gave him the vision from the Patmos. And there's a church there, one of my favorite letters in the Bible, Ephesus. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. I don't know about you, but sometimes things pull on me, good things, or too many things are going on and I miss my time with the Lord. So some readjustments need to happen. Life is short. It is very short. And I, I know when it, when it comes down to my time, I, I think it'll be great if they say she did this and she did that because God has blessed me and I'm sure God has blessed many of you to have opportunities and, and do good things. But the greatest thing that I want them to say about me is that she loved Jesus. You could see it. There's something about when, when somebody loves Jesus, it's something about they, the way they treat you, no matter who you are, no matter what color your skin is, no matter what your sexual preference or all of that stuff that the church is dealing with today. When the love of Jesus is in us, we won't treat people badly. Is there an amen in the church? I'm going to say that again. When the love of Jesus Christ is in us, when we love him, we do not treat people badly. No matter what they've done, no matter where they are in life, Jesus is saying, love me. Love me first because I first love you. And when we love him, we have something to give to the world that the world didn't give to us. Church, wake up. Wake up. Put Jesus first. No matter what age you are, put Jesus first. Love him. Love him with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your mind and strength. Do we love him? more than anything. We're about to come to the communion table, the Lord's table. And this is one of those moments where I pray that the Lord will give us a reality check. Just to think about what the table represents, what he's done for us, how he gave his life so that we might have the abundant life that we're living right now. That's, that's what I pray. And as we come to the table, we will say thank you. Thank you, Lord, for giving yourself on Calvary. You have to make it personal for me.
And when we make it personal, I know we're in community, but when we make it personal, we know that he would have done it for one person because he loves us so much. I, I want to pray right now. Amen. Let us bow our heads. Lord God, I, I want to thank you. I want to thank you, dear Lord, for your precious word and your precious son who gave his life so that we might have the richness that this world has to offer because of you, not because we've been so good. And so, Lord, transform our lives that if there are things in our lives that are out of order, that are not in line with your will, we ask, Lord Jesus, that you would remove them or place them where they need to be. But we want to know that we love you beyond all things in this world. We give you honor and glory. It's in the wonderful name of Jesus. Let us say amen.